Some of the world's greatest success stories start with someone dropping out of college. From Microsoft founder Bill Gates to director Steven Spielberg and music legend Quincy Jones, the college dropout story has become a shorthand anecdote to signify an individual who is too brilliant for their time. Of course, dropping out of college doesn't immediately guarantee you worldwide acclaim. When childhood friends Dan Auerbach and Patrick Carney dropped out of college in the early 2000s to pursue a career in music as the Black Keys, success came slowly. Their debut album, The Big Come Up, uh, appearing in 2002, earned them a deal with Fat Possum Records, and for the next eight years, they would slowly build up an underground following before hitting commercial success with their sixth studio album in 2010, Brothers. Despite the success of their sixth album, the duo decided to take their next studio album in a completely different direction after struggling to find a satisfactory way to perform the slower songs from Brothers in a live context. The seventh studio album, El Camino, released in 2011, was primarily written, composed, and recorded live in studio. Auerbach told Spin Magazine, quote, Almost every song on the record has a foundation of live drums and guitar together in the room. It's guitar bleeding into the drum mics. It's pretty raw. The lead single off the album was inspired by the guitar rift on Johnny Burnett's cover of the Tiny Bradshaw single, The Train Kept a Rollin'. It started with that riff, and we just built it from the ground up, and the vocals came at the end. We wrote this record from scratch in the studio, which isn't the norm for us. We were listening to old rock and roll records from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, music that was very simple and fun. Drums, bass, guitars, organ, and not a lot of bells and whistles on top, said Auerbach. The single saw international success, hitting number 64 on the Billboard Hot 100 in the U.S., number 2 on the Australian Singles Chart, and number 33 on the Canadian Hot 100, and went on to win Grammy Awards for both Best Rock Performance and Best Rock Song. That's right, we're talking Lonely Boy by the Black Keys on Cover Me. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions, compares them against one another to find out which one keeps us waiting. I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my lonely co-host, Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. No word of a lie spoken. Um, <laughs> lonely. That No, I'm doing okay. Um, yeah, you, you live in a, a full live, household I live in a full there. house of people, yeah. There's, there's people everywhere. Um... Even even when locked down, that just means they have to spend time with me. That's right. You got them right where you want them. Exactly. So, um, other than that, I am doing like normal. If things are going normally, just kind of, it, it feels like this weird downtime because I got my uh, vaccine dose a week ago. First vaccine mm-hmm. dose. So it's like, we're just waiting now. We're just waiting for, for things to happen. Oh Which, yeah, you know it's the between times. It feels it's like the between Christmas and New Year's of a pandemic, which I didn't even think would would ever be something I'd experience. Right but here we are. Yeah, it is that phase where you're like, well, we're almost there, but not quite. Like you can see the the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's still kind of small, and you're pretty sure it's there. Pretty sure, yeah. But you're also, you know doubtful in a way because you're like well we've been in it this long maybe things never change yeah and like what were things even like before 
Yeah, right? What am I going back to? I keep seeing, I saw BC's reopening plan, their, their restart plan, as they're calling it, all the phases. And then one of the ones was like, going back to the office, baby. And I'm like, ah, do I want that? <laughs> well, you don't have an office anyway, right? That's true. I am officeless. But, you know, still, uh, from a from perspective that I might one day again be in an office be in an job. Office, like, yeah. I think you wouldn't be able to work from home. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to commuting, but. No. It's, commuting is okay if you have a nice, easy drive to work that is under like half an hour. It's like a 15 minute drive. You listen to a fucking few tracks in the car, and you're like, all right, cool. Yeah. So you get through now. a whole playlist, and you're pushing it. Yeah, that's a bit much. Mm -hmm. Pandemics, man. Can't wait to not ever talk about them again. Yeah, same. That's, what, that's what's going to happen, right? We're not surely going to, you know, all be traumatized by this event for the rest of our, our lives. I expect there's going to be a lot of forgetting. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. I think I think I feel yeah. Okay. I don't feel like elaborating. <laughs> no, yeah. This 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 Keep is not back. actually the pandemic podcast. Uh this True. is actually cover me. And we're not talking about shit in the year 2021. We're talking about shit 10 years earlier, 2011, 2011. particularly the band the Black Keys, Alex, the Black Keys. Black we're Keys. talking about this a bit off off air, but yep. then we decided to get it on air. Tell me about your so your long and lusty relationship with the Black Keys. Air. Not um you you may recall because we were friends ten years ago. Um, That's true. Yeah. And this is like our high school days, end of high school. Um, That's right. We and I think a lot. Of, this was inspired by the internet, largely, mm -hmm. or or the circles we ran in in the internet. Um, we really disliked uh, hipsters. Yes. Even though that didn't really mean anything to us at the time, uh, what we saw as hipsters were were bad. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, it, they, yeah, truly, hipsters are just the them in the us and them equation. Yeah. And so, has always been what it is. So we said we, we hate hipsters. And uh, in particular, well, the, you know, hipster music was part of it. And, and mm -hmm. uh, certainly I, and I think you probably as well, saw the Black Keys as hipster music. Yeah, I, I because, think I because would Because I, I, I did um, at the time. So I would have avoided them entirely and strongly um when this came out yeah and another one of these like like my whole growing up was always whatever the modern rock band was being presented to me and then me being like well, i don't know if i like this so then you know in 2011 it was like oh the you must like the black keys i was like well now you've told me that i must like them because <laughs> i like rock and roll i'm i'm opposed to the very idea of it and exactly. then of course yeah, and I was working at a uh, a little a little tiny Starbucks in a university, and we got to play our own music there. And one of my coworkers would play the Black Keys quite consistently, um, which is a great way to make you hate the Black Keys, because any music that you listen to repeatedly at work, it's, it's, it's gonna it's, drag on you. Yeah, imagine. kind of a not not the best um, environment necessarily. Mm hmm. This is something you really liked ahead of time. Yeah, and I think, like, the Black Keys just sounded to me then like they were very, like, of that time. They reminded me of the, is it Cage the Elephant who does the Borderlands opening one? I ain't no rest for the wicked. Uh, you'd know better than me. I don't know off the top the of elephant. my head. 
you know, whoever did that one, they kind of just gave me that vibe, but with two albums worth of material instead of <laughs> one song. Mm, yeah, very, like, you have the, like, lo-fi, high-gain thing going mm-hmm. on, which uh, we even get in, like, The White Stripes. I definitely right. hear that. Um, I know there was even a brief period where there was, like, I don't know if it was actually a feud or that's just what it got called when it was covered on, you know, the internet. Uh, but Jack White and one of the members of the of the Black Keys, I don't even know mm. who it would be, like, had a little indirect disagreement of some kind like someone said something about the other one and then the other one got mad but they never actually spoke to each other it was just like responses and then interviews be like hey what do you think about this thing and be like i don't like it um right that kind of thing i think i didn't really look into it i just remember hearing about it that is a shame because a great double headliner show would be the white stripes and the black keys because of the names right yeah i mean it's like when jack white and jack black recorded together and then called it jack gray that's right. That's kind of genius. I don't know yeah. what it. I did that surface ever. I I haven't. I, I, haven't, it's I only even saw the headline. There. I never. I never I, heard yeah. the music. I know of it. Never heard anything to come from it. I saw a brief video of of Jack Black going to see Jack White and then going into Jack White's like studio area, but they like couldn't bring cameras in, so that was like the end of the video. Ah. Anyway. Interesting. <laughs> Mysterious. Interesting. Um, yeah, but to bring it back to, to sort of my thoughts on the Black Keys. Right. And raising that they are also similar to the White Stripes. I didn't like the White Stripes when I was younger either. These days, I like the White Stripes. Yeah. Um, and listening to this song this week, I mean, it didn't blow me away, but like reading what they were going for with the album and then hearing the results, uh, yes, they, I think they landed exactly the mark they were trying to hit. And that that is a, a marker of skill, if nothing else, that you, you can set a target and, and shoot that target, right? That's, that's something to applaud. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm curious yeah. about them because it, it kind of sounds like, I mean, I, I know this is the sort of thing that gets said a lot, like, oh, you know, you hear, you, you've heard their popular songs, but just wait till you hear this or this whatever song. Like, that's the really mm-hmm. good stuff. This strikes me as that kind of a song. Like, it's catchy. It sounds pretty good. Mm. Um, but... But it seems like maybe their other songs are their better songs. But I haven't listened to their other songs, so I don't actually know. Right. Yeah, and like this song was truly viral. We'll talk about the music video a bit later in the episode. But like it's truly this is like their most popular song, most well-known, award-winning, international success. Like, yeah, this is the commercial hit. So yeah, is it a, a an accurate reflection of the the body of work of the Black Keys, or maybe even this album? I'm not sure. So yeah, it does leave me curious as well. I also have one more thing to say about this: is okay. that I'm worried that my listening habits as as a human being and as a, a music enthusiast, despite me believing that I have grown and become you know more more open and accepting, there's also a part of me that's like, do I really just like shit that's old? Like I just have to wait for shit to get old because <laughs> like I didn't like Nirvana when they were coming up because I wasn't exposed to them. I didn't like Blink One Eighty Two at the time. I didn't like. I mean, I liked Oasis a bit, but, like, not overly. But now, I'm thinking back, and it's like, well, shit from the 90s is almost 30 years old, which is what shit from the 60s was when I was in the 90s. I like shit from the 60s. So, am I just a big dummy who just needs things to age long enough for me to go, eh, it's pretty good? I've wondered about that, and I think a lot of it comes down to just, like, the filtering through time. The things that stand the test of time are the things that you can look back on and say, ah, that's that's not bad. Because all the bad stuff, 
or the less good stuff um, that you might not care about got forgotten. So right. when you're looking at new music, there's just more of it, and it hasn't been vetted, I think. is So it seems like you don't like as much new music, but it's, still, it's just a lower percentage. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, that's what I'm assuming. Because there is new music that I like. Um, mm-hmm. and the, but there's a lot more old music that I like, but that's because I spent my teenage years just listening to old music. That's true. And also the ratio of old music to new music by the nature of time is yeah. always going to be in favor of old. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but we have just like volumes and volumes more new music just cause it's easier to produce now. So that's true as well. So yeah, there is a greater, greater I don't influx know. of new Plus music. I've always been a bit of like, um, well, sometimes I say dickhead, but sometimes I say, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I've completely lost the word. What I'm trying to say is, um, I try to, yes, <laughs> I, I've always had a, a, an instinct to avoid trends um, mm. of, of some kind. So like if I hear music, I'm like, this is just the trend. But then once you get past the trend, you can kind of not be distracted by that. Because there's nothing really right. wrong with trends and fads. Um, but when you're in them, they seem kind of silly sometimes. So um, even if something was part of a trend or a fad in the past, if you weren't there for that, you don't really get that exposure. You don't really have. That's right. You just you just come back to the wreckage yeah. of that that trend and and pick and choose. Yeah, it's like it's like when old people are like, "Oh, '80s music is so cheesy," and now I'm like, "I don't care. That's just what '80s music is like." But at the time, yeah. you know, if you're in the thick of it, it's a different feeling. So I try to look past that and then forget about it afterwards because there are definitely newer songs that at the time I was like, ah, it's part of this or that trend. And then now I'm like, no, actually, it's pretty good. Yeah. So sometimes it just takes time. Plus, you need to hear it a certain number of times. And then your brain is like, no, good thing for some reason. That's that's my other concern is it's like, do I just hear things enough times? Yeah. Is there such thing as good music or do you just hear it enough and then eventually you like it? Yeah, it's just exposure. I pick a a cover or an an artist I like and I just, I'm like, that looks nice to me. I will listen to this until I find pleasure in it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Although I do, what I do know is that there are songs that I've liked immediately and there are songs that I don't like immediately and I don't know why that is. Damn. That's I that is true and it I happens. agree with that. Of course a lot of songs I have liked immediately are by David Bowie, so there's also True, yes. <laughs> Sometimes it's on. definitely the artist influence. Yeah, for sure. But but at the same time it's like I've I've heard Bowie songs I'm not crazy about. There's there's bad Bowie albums, like but some of those songs hit immediately and you go like, Oh holy fuck, like this is really good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, uh we yeah. could get philosophical all day. But we should probably start talking about the lyrics. Which begin as such, which begin anon. Is that how you say it? Anon. Maybe. <clears throat> well, I'm so above you, and it's plain to see. But I came to love you anyway. So you pulled my heart out, and I don't mind bleeding. Any old time you keep me waiting. 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 It's kind of a, way, a strange way to start a song. Um, just like, hey, I'm better than you are. I'm better than you. Or like, it's almost like um, the reverse of unwashed and somewhat slightly dazed by by david bowie uh to bring a david bowie song into it uh where he's like talking about social class and how you know uh or other songs about disapproving fathers um mm-hmm. not approving yeah, usually the, their daughter's the singer relationships. is the underdog right yes it's kind of, but it's, this is like reversing it maybe um but it's also vague he just says i'm above you he doesn't say like i'm richer than you or i'm smarter than you or i'm <coughs> 
better than you in some way. Mm-hmm. Just as a, yeah, ultimately, you. it's like, I, I think it's more like, I deserve better than what you give me, or I can do better than than this. But I've come to love you, and as such, I'm sort of at your mercy. Yeah, uh, presenting like love as this sort of thing that just happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't really vouch for that. Maybe it is, but uh, uh, but well, yeah, yeah like uh, like it happens, and you just like can't do anything about it once it, once it happens. Right, and it is beyond logic. Is maybe the other the other point here because right. like, he lists out the point logically here. He's like, listen, I'm above you, and it's it's obvious, but but it doesn't that, matter. Happened. Yeah. Um, and then also. She broke his heart. Mm-hmm. Pulled it out. Mm-hmm. He's not physically bleeding, but he doesn't mind bleeding. Which mm-hmm. also kind of reminds me of um, Love Really Hurts Without You. Which yeah. we were like back and forth on exactly what it was about. But one of our possible explanations was it was just like he was in a relationship. But like it wasn't necessarily like they weren't necessarily being faithful. But he also wasn't mm-hmm. able to end it because he was in love kind of thing. Right. A cuckold, yeah, if you will. Anthem. Yeah, yeah. cuck's anthem. Um, so, but now he's waiting uh, because they're still getting ready. Am I right, fellas? <laughs> Women do be Women getting ready. Women always getting ready for things. Uh, Good Lord. Waiting. <laughs> waiting. Um, waiting. He's waiting for them to return the love or... Yeah, a reciprocation yeah. of love. Something I mean, like that's, that. That seems kind of accurate. Uh, so yeah, we come to the chorus. Oh, whoa, whoa! I got a love that keeps me waiting. I got a love that keeps me waiting. I'm a lonely boy. I'm a lonely boy. Oh, whoa! I got a love that keeps me waiting. Yeah, he's 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 um like he already said that he's waiting, and he's just mm-hmm. said it a bunch more times in the chorus. Um, and yeah. then also introduced the song title and his status as a lonely boy. Um. Mm-hmm. Which this Hashtag was take lonely boy this, summer. This was yeah, that's my summer. Um, this was a few years before there was like, I mean, I still do it, but it's not so much a meme, uh, common meme anymore. Which is like calling everything boys, referring to everything as a boy of some sort. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if this song had come out during that time, I think it'd been pretty amusing. Oh yeah, I think I still do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just like still, it's like residual meme habits. It's like I'll still, yeah, still occasionally use the term "wrecked," right? Or like throw oh, something yeah, and say "eat." It's just still around. It's not as prominent because it's kind of fallen a bit out of fashion, but it's still in there somewhere. Yeah, I think that's how you're going to be able to identify different generations, like it's by their like combination of meme habits. Yeah, I was just I was taking a walk at the park here, just nearby. And I heard somebody drop the phrase friends off, which is, oh. I think, very dated. Yeah. When was that from? That's I don't even like... remember. See, sometimes it happens. I'll, I'll see a meme and be like, that's old. And then you go to knowyourmemes.com, the website that chronicles mm-hmm. memes. And it'll be like, first came to prominence in like 2018. I'm like, it wasn't even that long ago. Right. It feels like it was a million years ago. Yeah. But that's, and then that's what old people do, right? Is they, they grab a thing from, from ancient times and they're just like, well, I'm sticking with this. This is the trend and that's it. So like, yep. if some Zoomer had heard that person saying friends off, they would have been like, holy shit, there's geriatrics if in this park. They like, even recognize 
the meme. Yeah, if they would even right? recognize it. Like, what a strange term, and just gone on with their lives. Um, well, yeah, it is interesting to see the effects of, of memes on our, our language. But speaking of a word with two M's and two other vowels that are the same vowel, well, your mama kept you, but your daddy left you, and I should have done you just the same. But I came to love you. Am I born to bleed? Any old time you keep me waiting. 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 Um, yeah, so here he raises a good point. Your dad left. I should have too. <laughs> yeah. You were introducing uh, an absentee father to the story. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, I, I get it. I understand. I sympathize with the father, apparently. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's like some backstory. Like, so you were raised by a single mother, and like, pretty much just that. Like, it's just, yeah, you were raised by saying a saying that mother. happened. And then he raises the question, Am I born to bleed? Which suggests he's like, Am I just, are we, I, why are we here? Just to suffer? Just to suffer. <laughs> Is that, yeah. I mean, that's, again, yeah, that's the same much. line. From before, where he said, I don't mind bleeding, and now he's like, I'm still bleeding. Because he's right, it's kind of like this the way it's phrased is the like, is this all there is in life? Clearly implying it's been going on for some time, and like he's experienced it regularly. And he's like, Is this, yeah, and do and I, is this, is there this... any way to not have this happen? Yeah, um, and he's like, Is this just like. Is this my fault? Is I guess another part of it is like, am I born to bleed? Am I the one who likes pain, and that's why I I am in love here? Yeah. Um. Is I know I don't have an end to that sentence. Is there any more lyrics? Is there anybody song? in there? Yes, but there we've all we've heard them all before. Yeah. So it's all it's all choruses from here on out, and the guitar speaks. That's right. In a way. In a way, man, the guitar is talking. The guitar is speaking. And let's talk about that guitar that's talking, Alex, because we're yeah. talking about the instrumentation, baby. Well, let me... S- no, we talk- We summarized the lyrics already. I was like, should I? Yeah. Yeah, we did uh, on the top. It's it's yeah, simple, it's... And, and it's a topic of like that like comes up in songs, right? Because it's like, particularly, mm-hmm. I'm thinking blues songs, like a woman, you're in love, but then the woman done you wrong sort of thing. Like, it's... yeah. It's you're just seeking love. Um, strange how many. Uh, no, I was gonna be sarcastic and, and rude, and I'm not going to. So, okay, I, fair. I'll note that since they were like they talk about how they were inspired by old records like 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. Um, and their their other goal was simplicity and sort of like upbeat. Like, yeah, these lyrics are. You could honestly take these lyrics and and throw them back to the 60s, and they would be just about seamless yeah it's real it's real old school and simple and like definitely like blues topic definitely yes and particularly yeah even with some words just like your mama i think mama is a very blues one yeah and like cutting out cutting out g's we we still do that a lot but well yeah we got ye high energy though that's why we (laughs) that's true that's true we are full of ye high energy Full of yeehaw energy. Um, we can only let's talk let it about once once a year. Um, th- this, this guitar energy, which guitar. Uh, opens with a, a a guitar line featuring a technique called a dive bomb. Yeah, that. I mean, I know what you mean when you say it because he kind of mm-hmm. runs down. Is it a run? Or how, 
How does he do that? So it's, it uses the uh, tremolo bar or whammy bar to rapidly lower the pitch. Oh. But in this case, it was actually done using a Boss Super Shifter pedal. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So that's because when he plays the lick or the riff, it sort of at the end drops off. And then down. I guess it'd be a lot easier to recreate it than going to your whammy bar and just like cranking it in. Mm hmm. Or wait, whatever makes. If you reduce the frequency, you'd have to short. You'd have to reduce the tension. So, whatever. However, you do that. However, you like. Yeah. I think you push it down. Anyway, um, cool riff, though. There's kind of two cool riffs at the start. There's this riff. Yeah. Uh, then the drums come in as well, which are kind of um, pretty consistent throughout, and it's sort of like got that double hit sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a bit later on, um, it sounds a bit like my Sharona. Oh, yeah. Um just wanted to point that out similar drum beat (laughs) and then and then the other riff which is i believe a keyboard yes uh played by danger mouse danger mouse himself who we haven't talked about in a long time we talked about danger mouse way back in crazy gnarls barkley he's the other half of gnarls barkley um and apparently, like, longtime friend of the Black Keys, he's produced, I think he produced their sixth album as well as this album. And I, I, I've just done work with them over the years. Yeah. Um, he also plays bass guitar on this, which is not very notable. Cause no, you know, I didn't really, you can barely hear it. It's not, Yeah. I kind of thought there wasn't one for a long time. Yeah, honestly, I still believe there isn't one, <laughs> even yeah. if it's credited. Um, so the other riff, it does get played on, on the keys, uh, but it's a little confusing because the guitar seems to join in. Yeah. Uh, uh, follow along the same riff. And this is where we get, I mean, both of them have a similar effect. It's quite a distorted guitar. Um, I, this is where I would draw the comparison to Jack White in particular, because he does some similar things, in particular, really high gain on the guitar. Mm-hmm. And then pairing that with a pretty high noise gate, um, which causes it to kind of disappear as it quiets out and to sort of cut off really quickly. Right. And that's kind of the sound of this song. But there's sort of the more growly, lower guitar, and then the higher parts of play some licks and stuff. Yeah, in a way, it is just kind of like juiced up blues rock. Like, you know, a little more distortion, yeah. a little... A little white stripey. Um, one uh reviewer, James Lachno or Lachno, of the Daily Telegraph, said the song quote blends Steppenwolf's road tripping aesthetic with the proto punk of the Modern Lovers. Which uh, I mean, I don't know much Steppenwolf, but there is a bit of that proto punk element just in the simplicity and the rawness here that I from the one Modern Lovers song I know, kind of. <laughs> kind of see that yeah i mean it's also only two guys so i mean or three guys depending on how you measure it um right but like there's not that much keyboard in this yeah he's a mouse not Uh, not a man (laughs) there's not that much keyboard in this and the bass isn't that noticeable so like really it's the guitar and the drums which are the two guys in the band so it's kind of simplistic by necessity 
because mm-hmm. there's only so many instruments they actually have access to. That's right. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the nature of it. They've also got like some lo-fi stuff going on. It's definitely like a lo-fi part of it. Uh, yeah. Particularly noticeable once the vocals come in. Yeah, he does have that like effect on his vocals. Yeah, that kind of like AM. Uh, I'm gonna say roll off. I don't know if roll off is the right thing. Roll off because uh, it's just reduced frequency band. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty like it seems to be pretty consistent in the work I've heard from the Black Keys. Yeah, and it's also something you hear a lot in uh, White Stripes music. Yeah, it it, it it is sort of of that time because I think the Strokes and other bands do a similar yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely. Where you kind of get when we've talked about using like the harmonica microphone, um, mm-hmm. and then you kind of maybe distort that or whatever a little or a little bit, and it's just a different kind of cool sound that yeah. has that like lo-fi um, crunchiness. Hmm. So yeah, this song does very uh, sort of plainly stand on the shoulders of like almost all the work in rock and roll that's come before it. Yeah, but uh, I'd say that's kind of common, even like really. What yeah, I, it's it's just maybe very obvious in this, and that's again not a bad thing. Just a just very easy to to note. Yeah, to point out all the little things, and there's not that many things to point out, so that's probably part of it too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because again, like I I sort of said at the start, they had a, a simple goal. You know, raw, simple, hook based, and they they hit the mark with this, and they they do, it's a it's a good song. Yeah, I mean like that hook, a... I would say that hook's really no recognizable, but it doesn't actually play mm-hmm. that much. So like I was playing this song for the roomies, and uh, mm-hmm. they kind of came in, and then they heard the keyboard hook, and yeah, it was dun, like, dun, oh yeah, dun, 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 that kind of sounds dun, familiar. But then even like, oh, just wait for the the chorus maybe recognize it more but they didn't really right so the rest of it is kind of even potentially or there's less of that like hookiness right so really like yeah the hook is what serves first in the instrumentals Mm -hmm. which is interesting because like when you hit that chorus it's just a simple backing yeah when you get to the chorus it really does get to just that strumming straight strumming and i guess that's where you would hear um the the bass a little bit as well. Um, and I believe mm-hmm. some backup vocals as well. That's there's like a That's backup correct. chorus. They've got uh, three people yeah. on the backing vocals there. That is uh, Lisa Hands and Heather Rigdon and Ashley Wilcoxon. Ah, yes. I see that. Um, and that's the kind of thing you get the audience to do when you're playing live. So I think it's a pretty good. Yeah, it's built handle, for that like arena handle. rock energy too. Yeah. It's another thing they were thinking about was live performance, mm-hmm. which and, I think is a good thing to think about. Yeah, when and this recording. would kill. This would kill at any live performance. Absolutely. Uh, the other part of the song that we haven't discussed very much is the verse, and that doesn't have any of the riffs in it. Well, it kind of has a different like muted ish strumming. Yeah, sort of like guitar riff. sting rhythm. Yeah. Damn, damn, damn. Um, and then it does there's a brief part uh where it like makes a little bit of feedback Mm, that's right feedback is also good for making it feel a little bit less um controlled because in theory it's an accidental thing or it's not something you want it's it's by nature uncontrolled in fact it's uh feedback is 
um, a problem a lot of the time, but then you use mm-hmm. it to your advantage. I mean, we've created feedback accidentally before. It can be difficult to make it go away unless you know what you're doing. That's so, right. Like, shit, what do I need to turn down? <laughs> and then everyone's deaf. Okay. Uh, let's see. There's another verse, another chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, then they go into the middle eight, uh, right. which basically reprises the intro. Um, basically, yeah, they really just redo the intro. The drums come in, the keys riff come in. Um, the difference is the drums are on the cymbals. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. before they were playing the hi-hat, but I think it was closed. So now it's like cymbal crashing, no muting, lots of ringing on the cymbals. That's right. The drums do build as well. They kind of um, go between, I think they, yeah, they kind of play more tom focus on verse, more cymbal focus on chorus. Uh, uh, these That's are right. not like insane techniques or anything. Like like we said, it's really building off of things that came before. Mm-hmm. And it's uh yeah, like it's based in simplicity. These are all tricks that have been done. But I mean, you can still take classic components and build something new with them. Like there's no one part of this song that couldn't have been done, you know, 50 to 60 years ago. Except maybe like some of the distortion techniques. Yeah, maybe the keyboards, depending. Yeah. Um. Wait, fifty years ago? Hmm. How long ago was that? Yeah, that would be tough. F- yeah, fifty tough years ago was the seventies. <laughs> Got to do some math now. Ugh. Um. Yeah. But yeah, overall, pretty catchy song. Mm-hmm. Pretty solid. Like I said, I- I'm curious to see if their other work grabs me a little more. Right. Or maybe this one will just grow on me, and I'll really like it one day. Who knows? Maybe. Um, but first, I mean, that's the song. We've talked about it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this music video, Alex. Video is also pretty uh, simple, but there's kind of a backstory to it. Yeah. Um, apparently, there was a, a more extravagant video planned, and they did a bunch yeah, of filming and, and of a bunch of people. It was shot, yeah. yeah. Um, shot and edited. It had a, a script and a cast of over 50 people. Which is like pretty significant for a music video. Although I have mm-hmm. to imagine some of them were a crowd. Yeah, I imagine it was not just like fifty. Like, <laughs> fifty <roles>. main characters <laughs> in a in a three minute video. Um, and the band saw it and they didn't like it. I guess. So yeah, the quote from Dan here is: "A couple weeks after we shot it, they sent us the edit, and it was awful. We sent it back. They sent us another edit, and it was terrible. That's when we said, what about that one guy, the extra who had that one dance scene? And that's the video, the most expensive single shot ever recorded. <laughs> and uh, it's pretty cool. It's this guy. It's just this guy dancing the whole time. Derek T. Tuggle, actor, musician, and part-time security guard at the time. I don't know what he's doing now." Um, dancing and lip syncing in front of the Pepper Tree Motel in North Hollywood, and uh, it's it's pretty amusing because he's only like like his face is only like half into it, yeah. but the rest of him is like hundred and ten percent, like it's making up for that. Yeah, and and then he sings along too. I'm sure. Actually, I take that back. Sometimes his face is totally into it. There's just points where he looks like he's like really focusing on his move. Yeah, uh, he's really in that. And so he uh, he says, uh, Tuggle says, the director just sort of noticed me dancing and asked me, can you perform? I said, I can dance. 
anybody can dance. So I took some moves from everybody. John Travolta from Saturday Night Fever and Pulp Fiction, the Carlton Banks dance from The Fresh Prince, and a little bit of Michael Jackson. So it was a smorgasbord of everybody in there. He added that it was just a spur-of-the-moment thing. My acting teacher, Mark McPherson, he has us do this thing before we start class called Song and Dance, where we'll have us sing one of our favorite songs, and then while we're singing it, he'll have us do a crazy dance or a sexy dance. And I guess it spawned from that. Yeah, but like, honestly... It's pretty cool. It fits the sound, really. I think mm-hmm. it's got the lo-fi sound. It's definitely not like a choreographed dance. And if it is, yeah. he's doing a really good job of making it seem off the dome. And like, I know. Well, yeah, like it's just very like natural. <laughs> it's like a natural uh, expression of physicality, and it's great. Yeah, and it is literally one shot. The camera never breaks. True. Yeah, and he just like did this. Um, improvised pretty cool not it's not like a some crazy break dancing you know like it's not like he's but like he's he's doing he's doing his thing he's dancing he gets into like the there's moments where he does kind of like some cheesy interpretive moves oh yeah a bit of like pantomime yeah but like it's it's pretty awesome and then he just like mouths the song yeah his sleeves gradually become unrolled as he goes because he's getting into it like it Mm-hmm. There's there's a narrative arc to this, and it's just a guy dancing. Yeah, it is. Uh, like it's exactly what the music video should be, which is interesting. That it was pretty much a coincidence. Yeah, kind of like serendipitous, and that they just discovered it, didn't even realize. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, insanely popular. Uh, currently on YouTube, it has. 129,515,000 Oh, I haven't views. updated this page in a while. So, yeah, it's... Because, uh... like, that's, like, 16,000 more views than it had when I watched it, so... It's still going. Shit. I, those definitely weren't all me. No, certainly not. Some of them were me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh... Uh, yeah. But another fun little piece of history, it went viral. People were crazy about it. I was talking with Greta about it, and she said her and her friends would try to, to do the whole dance with him. But apparently it's quite difficult. I guess so. Like, if it's just all in your head, it's hard for yeah. other people to follow that. It's like, I mean, it's, it's like learning music someone just played randomly. They're like, yeah. It makes sense to them because they did it in their own logic, but it's all part of your own thought process. So how do you teach it? Mm-hmm more difficult but yeah it's simple though there's not much else to say about it yeah that's the that's the theme of lonely boy simple yeah um what is simple as well is the concept of this podcast that we all know and love and we're 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 delivering on that simple premise by talking about a bunch of cover versions starting in the year 2012 with big sam's funky nation Big Sam's Funky Nation. It doesn't sound necessarily like a great name. Um, but don't judge a book by its cover, and don't judge a band by its name. Uh, because this band has some pedigree. Uh, it's led by Big Sam. Who, That's correct. His name escapes me. Uh, Sammy, Sammy Williams. Sammy Williams. Sammy Williams. From who, New Orleans. From New Orleans. And he was a member of the Dirty Dozen, which is a group of artists 
who, and I am quoting from the Wikipedia page, uh, revolutionized the New Orleans brass band style by incorporating funk and bebop into the traditional New Orleans jazz style. Mm. So, like, it's a pretty big deal, sounds like, in, in, you know, New Orleans. Yeah, he's, like, a big deal in New Orleans. And, like, I think I watched a video either of this song or just of them performing in general. And it was, yeah, it was just big New Orleans energy from start to finish. Yeah, and I know, like, I checked on their website, and they really have a focus on, like, live performance. Mm-hmm. And this is his band that he leads. That's correct. So there's and a lot course, more brass. Also, he's a trombone player. Yes. We probably said that already. Trombonist. Yeah, trombonist. Um, Tromboni. Tromboni. Um, he is, he is, I guess, from New Orleans, which is a little bit French. That is true. They call it New Nouveau Orleans. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey. Yeah, so, it start, so it starts off with brass and drums right yes. off the bat. It's like a different riff, but it's all done in this brass. But it's like these brass stings. Uh, and then it does the brown. So it does, so it does, it, it does its version of the dive bomb. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it, it plays it, I think, four times. And then every, single, every time brings in more brass. So it gets very that's big right. by the end. Uh, so that's really, there's a lot of big brass in this. And there's quite a bit mm-hmm. of funk stuff going on as well. They really make it funky, particularly when the, like, um, when the rhythm comes in. Yeah. After this intro riff. But there's also, well, I mean, right away, they, they come in with their version of the keys riff, which they kind of yeah. swing it a little bit. Yeah, they um, give it a little yeah. bit of swing to it. So I was trying to figure out if they were actually swinging it, because it's just like a little bit, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Because I was trying to time it out, but it was like tough in my mind. I wasn't sure if it was just some sort of illusion created by the, the rhythm underneath. Mm-hmm. But I think it is swung a little bit. And then there's a guitar under that riff. It's doing like some funk rhythm. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. That's right. There's bass in there too. It goes. Yes. So there's a lot of that funky stuff happening. Um, that guitar, there's kind of like between the riff and then once we get into the verse, there's that guitar just gets to kind of sit for a bit and remind us what a good time we're having what a good funky time we're having mm-hmm. which i think in funk music that happens sometimes where they'll just like sit on something they'll be like that was super funky let's just do this for a bit because of how right. funky it was let's just keep it around because why not like we're dancing it's good shit mm-hmm. um so that happens for a bit and then it actually comes in to to the verse and we're only like 30 seconds in that's right um and so the verse is very um and whereas the original kind of like moves at a slow pace but everything feels like one solid line this one's really chopped up into like three word segments yes three or four really makes like each line is quick and then the horns Mm -hmm. come in between the lines so there's kind of more space for the horns to play in Mm mm-hmm because that is like their main attraction is the the brass section. And it's pretty good. It's like really yeah. really like powerful brass. Um, yeah. Singer's good too. I think he does a great job. I would compare him we haven't talked about a lot of the other versions yet. 
compared mm-hmm. to the other versions, he doesn't have the same level of production. But I think right. taking that away, he's like as much or more so skilled than the other singers. But just listening to it, it might not be as obvious because it's a little more raw. Right. But and so it carries over I, I some of that rawness that from the original, but puts it on the vocals rather than on the instruments. Yeah. And also like doesn't create it with effects. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just it's just done naturally. Yeah. By not doing anything at all. And t- in order to do that, you kind of have to be really good. So he must be really yeah, good. Yeah, and you, you got to, and he sort of eases in with a bit of uh, ad libbing. There's a lot of give it to me. Listen up. Hoo <laughs> Right. Live you performance know, stuff. <laughs> yeah. So that, I think, helps to make it feel like a more natural vocal performance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it sounds cool. Mm hmm. So the other thing this song does becomes starts to happen in the chorus yes. so once we hit the chorus the guitar goes into straighter strumming the drums switch to the original pattern from the original version um mm-hmm. and then the horns kind of back up the vocals act as the backup vocals they support the melody that's um, right there's also another guy singing backup but only on some lines yeah it seems to be like your yeah. your key lines they're like i got love i got a love Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I love the key. Um, and that, with the rest of the song, like they kind of go back and forth, but because of the nature of the song, is a lot of choruses and stuff at the end. Uh, what ends up happening mm-hmm. is sort of as the song progresses, it kind of starts in this really funky place. And then that sort of funk energy metamorphoses into like a more frenetic, almost like punk energy. Right. So, like, they just put a little curve on the F to make it into a P kind of thing. Ah, yeah, like a uh, vandalizing. Uh... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, it's a real groove when it starts out, and then you get that more, like, garage, straightforward energy near the end, which, I, which is closer to the original and kind of an interesting um, evolution over the course of the song, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll agree to that. Yeah. And there is, like, just with those those horns because they can be so aggressive as well as smooth like that plays to both ends to the funk and punk vibes and there's a lot of horns in here there's a lot that's of for horns sure um what else happens with the horns um in the second verse we get a bit of uh, them doubling uh particularly i think it's at the end of the second verse so around like 140, there's that one that goes, bruh, 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 right. Bruh. So like when he says like any old time, yeah. So doubling the vocal track, um, so again serving the purpose of a backup the last, vocalist. Yeah, but... like the the I, refrain maybe any old time you mm-hmm. keep me waiting. Yeah, yeah. Then, then they come in earlier. Um, they have a middle eight. Um, yeah. So the, it repeats the intro riff and then, um. There's the intro riff, but the bass and guitar are are straight underneath, not funky. Yeah. Uh, not not swinging. Um, so that's just their middle eight. Then another choruses. They do two choruses, and then a horn solo. That's right at the around three twelve. Um, I, pretty sure it's trombone to start. Pretty sure it's trombone solo. That would make sense. Uh, I mean, it does switch to a different one, doesn't it? Uh, maybe. Or am I thinking of a different version? Another one. There's definitely another version where there's a trumpet solo that leads into a saxophone solo. 
Right. So I can't yeah, remember this one specifically. <laughs> no, uh, this makes sense. Big Sam obviously does a trombone solo in Big Sam's Funky Nation. It's pretty easy to figure that out. It it would make sense, right? Yeah, it's, it's the most obvious choice. <laughs> and then, um, and then they, the way they've done it, they're just mm-hmm. kind of doing a bunch of choruses at the end because they get in that horn solo, but the chorus actually continues underneath, um, and then with some drum rolls added. But like the chorus parts playing with, for the rest of the song. Right, and then um, yeah. the vocals are just at doing the line "I've got a love" sort of over and over again. Yeah, some of the ad libbing, mm-hmm. good performance stuff, mm-hmm. and then it actually goes back into the intro riff to end it. Yeah, doesn't that? And then with the <laughs> trombone or something, kind of screaming right at the end. Yeah, <laughs> there's also a part earlier on, um, just because like you know they have the big horns um, after yeah. the first chorus maybe the other choruses um i think it's their transition after the chorus where like they do that thing in brass where everyone hits a high note and then and then like uncoordinatedly just like and then if you have that have like six or seven at least horns doing that it kind of sounds cool hell yeah um and it also ties in with that um effect what was it called again dive bomb dive bomb Dive bomb, yes. Thing. So, it's a really cool version, I think. Very energetic. Yeah. Would be really cool to see live. Probably very loud because of all the brass. Uh, but cool. And uh, I liked their sort of progression of energies. Yeah, they really found a way to, to bring this into their style of music and keep the energy on mm. point. Keep a little bit of that rawness in there. It's a cool version. Let's talk about Guru in 2012 Garu. as well. Garou uh, means werewolf in French. Ah, and this is a, a Montrealman. His name is Pierre Garand. <laughs> French Canadian. Um, apparently, yeah, yeah Garou is uh, the diminutive Garou! version of his last name, but it also means werewolf. So okay. I'm sticking Do you with think that. Does cover of Werewolves of London? Um, I'd have to look it up. I don't know. Probably he does. Probably does Werewolves of Paris. Probably does Garou de uh, or however you would say that in French. How Probably about that. that. Like, those are the important words, right? We got the building blocks in yeah. there. <laughs> um, I don't know how you would pluralize Garou, though. Um, just chuck an S just on the Just put end. an X on it. And then yeah, it would be Garou de Paris, probably, instead of de Paris. Oh, yeah. de, de Paris. Garou de Paris. That's my guess. Uh, That's but my I, don't, guess. I don't know French that well. If you're French and want to correct us, I don't know, do something else instead. No, no, please do um, correct us. No one's attracted <laughs> with us. We need one person. That's, true. that's how we get them, Jake. That's how we get them. That's right. But also, fuck Say you. Say wrong things. I mean, sure, yeah, granted, but um, engage. That's so, right. This guy's engage also done, you. this guy does a lot of blues stuff. Uh, he's also done some musical theater, apparently. He's, he's played like yeah, yeah. Quasimodo. In the, the Notre Dame de Paris musical. So you just change that to Guru. I think we're right, Alex. I mean, I it makes sense. <laughs> um, but this is well, yeah, this is a blues guy. He's he does blues stuff. 
He's doing a blues cover of this. He's doing a blues on us. Doing a blues right on top of us. Yeah, with but with violins, so a little ELO energy. Yes, a little bit of that. It might. Well, in the video, there's no strings, so it's hard to tell. There's right. The video is just him performing. Yeah, it's not that. It's not that exciting. Do Do you think they used an ebo? Perhaps. I don't think you can do that sort of sweeping stuff they do in the intro. Yeah. No much. It would have to be like program synthesizers, I think. But Mm -hmm. there is a guy with two keyboards. That's my only one for business reason. I would like like wonder if maybe it was sequenced or not sequenced, but like samples. Sequenced samples. Yeah, sure. I believe it. Um. But maybe for the recording, it was the, the real thing. So it does start with like some fast bowing, and then um, you hear some guitar feedback as well. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of their intro, and then they do the actual intro riff, which is also on the strings. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of blues sound, it's almost like just kind of a more, I'm going to say, sophisticated blues sound which is just to say less lo-fi sophisticated is probably not the right word yeah and i'm I'm curious when they get to the actual uh like riff the keys riff is it on a synth or is it on guitar um let me listen i think it's on guitar it could be both could be both. I guess I'm listening to the wrong riff. Hang on. Be like around 30 seconds. Um, all right. I do think it's on a guitar. And the reason for that is I watched the video. But the other reason for that is you can kind of hear a noise gate type of thing. Okay. Which you could put on a on keys i believe it it is just a very like processed guitar noise yeah it's quite quite a bit of effects but you kind of get that on his voice too uh but i do believe he's a good singer and i i think his voice is very good yeah it's like it's good yeah in some way you're right this is just kind of like what would sound like a more hi-fi version of the original yeah um i i stand by that statement yeah (laughs) but like his voice um, he can really like push that kind of semi-tortured gruff blues man sound. It's just a little more like produced in this. Yeah, a bit of that like Hollywood growliness. Yeah, but like, and you know, you put the echo on and stuff. But he's got a background in musical theater, so I I do believe he's a good singer. Yeah, because you kind of have to be. And then so... on certain lines, like at the end of the first verse, any old time you keep me waiting. You know, the refrain, there's a, a second track under it that's a little more talky, a little more growly. Any old time you keep me waiting. I believe it's a second I missed track, that part. Right? I'm going to listen for it. I, like, just caught it. <laughs> yes, yeah, like around 105. Okay, I'm just there now. Yeah, I wonder if that's someone else, because it's quite deep. But he mm-hmm. does have a bit of a lower voice, too, compared to like the original and stuff just because it seems like they've dropped it down a bit yeah. it really has this like lower growl to it mm-hmm. um and he's definitely got this like chesty growl yeah 
Um, and then, of course, the, the strings do a lot for transitions to from segments to different segments. So when we get to the chorus, it's a yeah. big... Yeah, and it kind of um, does, like, fast runs up and down, which is similar to what you know, that dive bomb effect. Um, yeah. Which is something we also hear on strings a fair amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else cool about this version? This It, it follows it pretty closely, though overall yeah it does because it's just like a bit different sound they throw in some of that feedback uh which you even get to see in the video at one point the guy's just like standing in front of an amp shaking his guitar right Uh they kind of add some more strings as they go really that's that's your build and that's pretty common build in in a lot of pop music is like let's put strings on it let's put more strings on it um actually the other cool thing they do and um, this is like very, very into the song. Uh, when they're fading out, the guitar just like plays some extra notes. Right. Just a couple. I think they sound really cool. Yeah, that's kind of their finish. Because it really like things just fade out very fast. Like the strings do that kind of dive bomb thing. And then you just get a couple extra guitar notes. But they kind of have that blues tension to them. Yeah. So, like, really, yeah, the big addition to this is the strings, which they use for a lot of the energy for some of that dive bomb effect. Um, you've got, I guess, Peter Garou on vocals instead. Peter Garou. <laughs> Pierre Garou. Do we just call him Garou? I don't know. Garou. 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 Um, um, werewolf. Let's call him yeah. Werewolf. We'll English Let's call him Mr. Werewolf. Mr. Werewolf. What time is it, Mr. Wolf? Yeah, so it just does uh like a, it's like a cleaner version that relies on a uh, string section whether synthetic <clears throat> or organic. And just a couple of little neat production tricks and some some blue stuff like a noodling guitar at the finish. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a bad like it's not a brave version, but it's for being pretty no, I, safe. Makes some good moves. I think the sounds generally the t- are are strong. Mhm. It's not like Sometimes we get to a version and they just have this like really weirdly thin guitar or something, or right. like high screechy um, synthesizer that's like, why did you put that there? It's just, it doesn't fit. But everything, yeah, everything, everything fits here. Quite Sounds good together. Yeah. Pretty solid production. Good performers. Solid version. Solid version. Canadian content. Yeah. Shout Canadian. out. Yeah. What's the, we need a certain percentage of Canadian content to get grants. <laughs> that's right. That we have not applied for, nor do we intend to. But. Technically, we do. Hey, that's right. So, to carry on with non-Canadian content, as is our right as non-grant holding Canadian content producers, (laughs) Iggy Pop and Ginger Baker in 2012, the godfather of punk and the drummer for Cream. Yeah, I mean, he is called the first superstar drummer. Oh, is that his his honorific? Is that I think I. He played. I mean, he played for a long time. He he did play with uh, Cream. He apparently played with Fela Kuti for a while, which is pretty cool. Okay. Uh, in Africa. In the seventies. He lost the reins while he was down there. He might have done. I don't know. Probably. Check out our Africa episode by Toto from a long ass time ago. A uh, long, but yes. long time ago. So Iggy Pop himself 
formerly of the Stooges, and Ginger Baker, also himself, formerly of Cream, and mm-hmm. um, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and apparently Blind Faith. Right. And um, of the and 1970s. Like a million other things. Famous drummer. Um, yeah, this version's not great. Let's start off... It's, it's an interesting version. I thought it was odd, but it's it's more of an oddity than anything. Um, what did you want to start off with? Um, I, it's just it it reads to me like the the laziest form of cover, being like these guys are famous. <laughs> it's the, <laughs> and, and on some level, it should make sense. You've got a great drummer in there, and you've got Iggy Pop. Who I, I does Iggy Pop play guitar? Or does he just sing? And I'm pretty sure he, he just sings and doesn't wear a shirt. And doesn't wear a shirt, yeah, unless he's wearing a dress, which I guess isn't a shirt, but, you know, it covers the torso. True. That's his thing. So, I don't think this is a a good example of Iggy Pop vocals. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's also more recent. This was obviously after that, true, 2012. True, more he's recent Iggy Pop vocals time. can be good. He's, where, he, where he really does his whole, whole like, old voice on Iggy Pop. Right, gets his, like, more... It's a pretty expressive voice. Mm-hmm. But it's also definitely, like, less singy than, yeah, than your average. Yeah, and th- this, this sounds like him singing. struggling to, uh-huh. to maybe imitate old Iggy while being... I mean, by old Iggy, I mean young Iggy while being <laughs> old Iggy. Maybe. I don't really know enough about the difference between the two comment on that well, i haven't heard well, much one of them stuff. has a lust for life yeah i'm more like yeah lust for life sure cool and one China of them girl, one whatever. of them is a vul- have you heard the song vulture that's a good one he does that's a, a newer one i should check out vulture that's pretty much just like raw power and a little bit of the idiot and then lust for life yeah that's i think that's what most people know so that's <laughs> fair um but yeah this whole thing to came destroy. together like the the instrumentation's very faithful to the original mostly um, but not the drums oh well, yeah because you got ginger because ginger there. baker just does his own thing completely uh entirely uh which gives it a very a different feel definitely mm-hmm. it doesn't have those double hits it's just um it's more straight but he kind of rides the cymbal more right uh so it does have a feeling of like an, a cream song kind of obviously that's why because he was the drummer there too. It's just it's it is an odd an odd version. And it's um it's novel. It is a novelty. Um it's from an album of power rock duos. Yeah, which I also begs the question to me who actually set this up? Cuz I don't think they came together naturally necessarily. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know if they ran in, like, in similar circles. So it's it's unclear to me what motivated this. Whether they did it and then it was put on this compilation or it was done for this compilation? You'd think they wouldn't yeah, have I, that kind of power to get... This is, I mean, those are pretty big names, right? Maybe not the yeah, biggest and, names, and but... The amount... Of, there's a hundred songs on this fucking Okay, then there's no way they put this together. There's no way uh, they got I didn't seven scroll and a half hours of material. No. no. Okay, I take that back. Um, I'm sure it wasn't made for this, but it's still an odd, uh, isn't it? So interesting. Yeah, um, it's an odd. It's still an odd pairing. Yeah. Fascinating to me. 
another thing just about this song. That's the most interesting thing about it, yeah. though. Sorry, go ahead. Just like random fact, they br- decided to bring in a piano for the very final chorus. Oh, yeah, around 243. Odd. Yeah. Odd that the piano doesn't show up before that. Mm-hmm. Just plays like really fast 16th uh, note chords. Um, but, yeah, so it sounds very different, uh, but still similar structure. And um, I'd say, oh, the other thing this one does is it pushes the guitar right to the front in the chorus. Mm, Those are yeah. like the things I noticed about it. Right. Do you think that's because they heard Iggy's vocal track and went like, that? Ah, fuck. Cover it up. Cover it up. <laughs> Um, I thought he did fine too, but I'm not necessarily expecting the most. I don't. Maybe I don't I'm giving there's the, some some points on here where he goes down low, where I'm like, oh yeah, like that's cool and sounds like Iggy Pop, and like we could do something awesome here. Then there's him trying to hit these these great heights, and you're like, oh, this ain't right. Yeah, and he goes down and does that little like false out. He goes, you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, that's there's that a bit thing. of strain that doesn't necessarily sound like performative strain, you know. It sounds like, oops, I see. Maybe we should do another take. I see. Yeah, I still think it's an interesting version, um, but definitely not one of the better covers today. No, that's and that is honestly surprising because typically when you get a bunch of big names, I mean like big names like Iggy Pop and Ginger Baker, like usually it comes out pretty strong. Yeah, I'd say to or, or, me at the at very least, least like the vision is unclear exactly yeah. what they're going for. But hey, sometimes that's how you make covers. Yeah, we've definitely um, talked about covers like that before. We've definitely talked about that. We're going to talk about uh, more covers with arguably not too much vision. Uh, assembly required in 2013. Assembly required. Oh, oh, oh. I got love they are from new zealand that's correct they are a band that's correct as well their website is currently down that is also correct um and that's what i can tell you about assembly required thank you alex um yeah so this is uh this cover is very obvious and the fact that there weren't more to fill this playlist with surprises me. But a song this simple and catchy is obviously going to be covered by a lot of small rock bands. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what this version is. So yeah. It's pretty safe, pretty close to the original. There's a bit of different fuzz on the guitar, weird filters and shit, but there's some acoustic yeah, guitar. Yeah, you get a little more of that like fret buzz in, just part of that, which is a little more lo-fi feeling. Yeah. Um something i noticed mm-hmm. but ultimately it's pretty tame and not not over like over it doesn't leave a huge impression yeah part of that might be it's like a little bit slower mm. um because i don't know it feels a little slower to me anyway start like yeah. with that intro riff but and a bit of a lean towards country yes there's definitely a bit more of like a country-ish sound um, or folk, maybe I can never remember which is which, yeah, <laughs> or or they or they have this cross pollination. Um, it yeah. does have overall a more like button down feeling, just because the original kind of had that high gain, and this one really just goes for the sort of 
distortion, but not really that really yeah. high gain sound. And then it doesn't it doesn't even go high for the chorus. There's not really a big switch because like what Guru did really well with his safe cover was use those violins to to signify the switch. And we're like, oh, the chorus is very high energy. Mm -hmm. The strings are fucking giving her. This one does not give us that. Yeah, and they still have uh, like kind of gruffer vocals similar to Garou, but I mean Garou is more of more of definitely like a trained performer. Mm -hmm. in terms of do you think singing. he's done a cover? I'm talking about Garou, Garou again. again. Here, but do you think he's done a cover of Metal Garou by uh, T Rex? Is it you? <laughs> um, I hope there are covers of that song. I hope so too. That song fucking slaps. Back to this though. <laughs> Yeah, there's a a bit of a, a a gritty grumble kind of voice. Yeah. Um, hand clapping in the chorus, and a lot more guitars, like straight guitar strumming. They've got like an acoustic guitar that plays. Yeah, straight up it's acoustic part of guitar. That, like, folky countryish thing. Yeah. But like we've removed so much of the energy in this version. It feels a lot more laid back. Yeah. I would say. In agreement yeah. with you. And yeah, so it's like not that interesting. There's a guitar solo, which most versions don't have. Yeah. So I, oh, right. I, I titled it as Middle Eight, but it is an electric guitar solo, uh, which is a bit. It's just a guitar solo, really. Yeah. And like even that, like we talked about Thin Lizzy last week with Cowboy Song. Yeah. Like, that's a guitar solo that moves you. This is a guitar solo that occupies the space. Yeah, it's really just kind of a guitar solo. Mm-hmm. That doesn't serve that much of a purpose. Yeah. I unfortunately don't have a ton more to say about this song. I don't, I don't even have much Alex. interesting to point out. Well, the guitar anything. solo does reference the original riff at one point in it. Okay. That's not bad. Which is, yeah, that's small points in their favor. Um, but yeah, this version ultimately just feels like one that I heard and I was like, oh yeah, there's probably thousands that sound just like this. Or, you know, are one or two degrees off from this. It seems like it should. Because like you said, it's mm -hmm. kind of kind of easy, kind of obvious. Yeah. Um, and of course, now we're going to move from uh, well, New Zealand. Well, to well hang, hang on, hang on there. Did you watch, did you watch the music video? Oh fuck! There's a music video. <laughs> there is a music video. Um, they it's three the three band members. Um, really, they I'm they do they do the dance. They do the dance from the original video. Um, oh no! There's only one member in any given shot, but sometimes they split the screen so there's more than one on it at a time. Um, but really, they're just all wearing black pants and a white button up, and they do a, do a dance. Um, oh yeah, look at that. Yeah, they're all and mouth the, same... the song. I think there's three guys. Oh, Maybe two guys. Yeah. I no. Oh, okay. There's two. Yeah. Hang on. I thought there's three. Show me a third guy. I'm um, seeing two. Yeah, because their Facebook page only had two guys in the picture. Well, one guy's behind the the symbol though. Well, that guy's, I don't know, probably doing tech. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Anyway. Vocals, Sam Hill. Instruments, Simon Tester. Like, it's two dudes. It? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, well, there's only two also, guys Also, one of the video. dude's names is Sam Hill? 
What in the Sam Hill? What in the Sam Hill is going on? Apparently, you know what in the Sam Hill is going on is we're going to talk about the next, um, the next guy, Jason, Jason Owen, Owen, 2013. Who was an X Factor contestant, which is where he uh, sang this song originally, but not this version. This was recorded later. That's right. He was the runner-up of the fourth season of the X Factor Australia in 2012. Um, worth noting that the runner-up always seems to do better on just about any talent. A lot of the time, because they're not like tied in with the contracts, right? Because the show contracts, I think, often aren't very good. Right, so yeah, they're actually a little more free to pursue a yeah. good contract. Because like you, uh, before you do the show, I think you have to agree to doing the contract. Or you can't win unless you agree to do the contract, I'm pretty sure. Right. But if you don't win, you get all the exposure, you're pretty much just as good as the other person, and you have some leverage to write your own deals. So it seems mm-hmm. to me like it's a better thing in the long run. They should make a movie That's just my about speculation, that. Though. Somebody who, who tries to rig the, the, the reality talent show system to, to get second. second place. But they get too popular, and it's like there's like tension there. Tension. That's what, that's what plot's all about, baby. That's what plots are all about, baby. All right. What's this one like? Uh, it actually makes some changes. Changes the riff. It's more of like a surf rock thing. Mm. Uh, starts with this like overdriven guitar jumps up a bit it plays like and then jumps up um and then comes in with like a another guitar that does that like slide thing yeah yeah so kind of cool kind of cool yeah that plays throughout that's like it's riff mm-hmm. i didn't hear it as surf rock i thought more country based on the the album artwork but you're right in that it does have a, a surf rock tone to that guitar there's a bit of a feel in there and some i mean surf rock's got a bit of a jangle and country does you know like a twang and those two things can actually be kind of similar at times twangle yeah. a twangle this is a twangly song that's right <laughs> um it gets uh I'm trying to do my overall. Um, similar thing with the vocals, right? It it um, has like the lo-fi AM thing. It sounds a little more produced this time around, though. The vocals have a yeah. little more stuff on them, even though they still have that lo-fi sound. There's right. pr- parts particularly um, in the second verse where he says, um, am I born to bleed? He then ad-libs in, yeah. But yeah, sounds very like digitized, unfortunately. Mm. Um, it also sounds a bit weird. It almost sounds like it says you. Was I, you. Am I born to bleed oh, like, you? Am I born to bleed you? Because it's kind of like, it really flows together. There's no pause. Sounds like one sentence. Right. And then like on the second verse is where I hear a bit more country twang in his voice. He definitely has that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I... I Yeah, I definitely hear that. Kind of that more like modern country that would have... I mean, it sounds more modern just because it has yeah. more like vocal um, production going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, because it... 
I mean, it's a similar uh, similar structure, but it has different riffs. So, like, the intro riff comes back in at times, um, similar to the original. Uh, and then he does his sort of higher-intensity singing. That is also kind of a difference. His singing intensity increases, which is not really present in the original. That's right. And, of course, he is an X-Factor singer and that's what you come to right. this album for singing right? is, is, sing. is his thing um we've we definitely heard worse examples of that where uh uh like a show singer comes in and is like i gotta fucking right he's not showing off. off here and that's probably good because that wouldn't really fit this song at all this is not mm-hmm. a vocal show piece this is more about performance yeah he's, he's just trying to be like as rock and roll slash country as he can be on yeah this, this track little little rockabilly as yeah. as it were. Um it also has a guitar solo. That's right. In the like middle eight place. And I thought it was pretty good too. It really seems like it was probably just, you know, you hire professional musicians around when when you're in this situation of being a, a singer who just won a competition. So the other thing, this solo also quotes like the keys solo from the original. Mm-hmm. Keys riff rather. Um but it's a solo so Kind of cool. Very quick solo. Um, but yeah, it's, right. it's decent. Decently put together. Appreciate it. Yeah, definitely functional. Um, has a bit of energy to it. Like you said, it, it's referencing the original, so it gets points for that. Um, he's got backup vocalists as well for the, the chorus, so we are really playing close to the original. Um, the biggest move really is that opening, right? Where we change up what the, the riff is, the dive bomb riff. Yes, really. And then, like, the feeling of the song. I thought, overall, it was a bit clean. Mm-hmm. Because all the other ones, even, like, Garou, who is a bit more produced. Yeah, who, ha- who has a string section. Who has a string section. Really, his voice really brings, like, the, the rough edge. This one yeah. doesn't really have anything to do that. No, um, that's, that is... I so think I think that's where it's, of... it's lacking. But I think a lot of the parts are good changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if there was a way to bring in more of, like, an authentic grit, which may be impossible for, yeah. you know, an X-Factor contestant. Yeah, and, like, it's fun. It just feels a lot more pop. And, like, that's not that really big a deal. It's just for me, maybe it is... <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's something I uh, you know, I don't like. And I liked it a lot more um than like most former um talent show contestants versions. So yeah. pretty solid. Yeah, honestly pretty solid. Um not not crazy good, not crazy bad. And and, and does some interesting moves. So, you know what, for for what the source is, I'm pretty impressed. Thumbs up. Just one though. Thumb. Just one. Thumb up. Um, now it's time to get our thumbs up to, to this next song. Yeah, let's put our thumb right up this song. <laughs> right up this song. We're talking Taggy Matcher and Bertie Nixon. Ooh, oh, oh. I got love that keeps me waiting. Um, I wasn't exactly sure who who Bertie Nixon was. Uh, Taggy Matcher, who I'm what like, their name sounds like it's based on Maggie Thatcher. Do you think that's 
Oh, hey, maybe. I think it's like a that's weird like a pun for like them because they're like a reggae. Yeah, like reggae genre. Like dub like reggae. Well, Teggy Matcher is a reggae dub rocksteady disco rockers and ska producer. That's correct. Who has not updated their blog since 2013? Um, I think that's the same for everybody who has that <laughs> exact description of themselves. <laughs> they have updated their Facebook, so okay, that's good. Uh, it's just they seem to have abandoned their like wordpress or whatever it was yeah wordpress wordpress um somebody else had a great wordpress page on on this episode who was it oh it was uh, i think it was the last one okay we'll we'll come to um, that <laughs> we'll come to that so yeah bernie nixon sings i'm presumably like a bird because the name bernie nixon is the same they're, they're the singer here Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. They're the singer. Producer um, singer. Because uh, Tag's the producer. This is a pretty classic combo we've seen in that regards, at least. Um, and of course, there is a like a, a reggae bent to this. So we got yeah, a little a little fast, I think, for reggae. So almost more on like the ska, like classical type, classical ska. So right. Like a weird thing to say, but not like ska punk. Super not fast. Not ska punk. Uh, ska, but like ska feeling. And there's horns, right? Am I crazy? Yeah. 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 So it's drum roll in, and then we get the uh, like a single single notes on the guitar. It's really one string being plucked there. Yeah. So it's doing the riff. The horns are doing the backbeats. We got a skank in this mm-hmm. already. Um. Then there's another drum roll out. Well, kind of more intro. Because, like, there's the intro, and then there's a drum roll. Uh, then the horns play the chorus melody, and then the guitar um, starts to play a different part. Which this, So this one also kind of introduces different riffs. Yeah. Plays this, like, bam, bam, bam. Yeah, and it's this really rounded tone. Like, it's really cut off. Mm-hmm. Um, cool, cool sound, though. Yeah, and then so we get that sort of instrumental appetizer sampler. We get all sort of the little bits and components we're gonna get. Yeah, and, and then uh, then Bertie Nixon comes in with the vocals, Very, singing uh, that verse. I didn't. Yeah, I don't have any notes on that. I just said vocals come in. Yeah, they're just kind of like what I would expect from this version. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, so like it fits in naturally. I'm not blown away i'm not uh i'm not offended it's, uh, no. it's just a natural fit for don't, the genre I don't usually come to reggae ska stuff for like singing necessarily i mean not in right, in the sense that not in the way we would judge like a modern pop type vocalist right like right. they're not doing like these huge runs and singing super high and stuff just because it's a different style of music Right, and not even in the rock and roll sense where you know it'll they'll come ripping in and really belting it. Yeah, it's it's more laid back style, so more laid. Yeah, back more vocals. laid back, more smooth. So yeah, they hit that factor. Yeah. Um, the it really kind of sits into this into this like skank groove. Um, mm. so like the rhythm guitar comes in, but it just plays I think like three strums. On the backbeat. That's um, right. So like that's that's that backbeat backbeat focus rhythm, and then the drums are playing the cymbals too. So 
Oh, and that really low bass. Boom. Gotta have the low bass. Boom. Yeah, muted bass as well. So yeah. It's... So it's what? So it's, you know, it's reggae, baby. It's ska, it's reggae. I guess. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're related, and I'm sure there's some cross-pollination here. I don't right. know exactly where the line gets drawn, but this does have horns, and those come in on the chorus mm. uh, That's right, to support the vocals. So kind of, well, I think there's two sets of horns because there's horns that are kind of playing backup vocals, essentially, following that, mm. whoa, 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 you know? Yeah. Um, and then actually actual backup vocals come in when they're not doing the whoa, whoa, whoa. But there's also that's horns right. that just play like triplets on the backbeat. Yeah, that's right. Kind of like the guitar before. Mm-hmm. So you get that filling out your, your chorus, and then we get that little guitar riff again, that one that led us into the first verse, leading us into the second verse after the chorus. Yeah, and the rest of it, I think, continues like that. Like they do that. Um, yeah, it's there's like a weird the, part in the second verse because he says I came to love you and then jumps right into any old time you keep me waiting. Doesn't talk about bleeding at all. Yeah, um, which I couldn't quite figure out why that worked out rhythmically, but it did. So, Damn. cool. Uh, good job on that. Yeah. Track. Um, and then they they also have like a middle eight, which has a little solo with that rounded guitar sound. Yeah, the guitar basically just does like a chorus. Yeah, I guess so. With some like ad libbing. There's ad libbing yeah. vocals. Um and yeah, there's a chorus melody from the horns, and then the vocalist is kind of ad libbing some other sounds. So it's like a chorus, and then they do another chorus. Or not yeah. even. They just repeat I'm a lonely boy. Because they kind of boy. already did a chorus. So they're just doing an outro of repeating that line. That's right. But like as far as, as far as like this reggae ska dub style goes, yeah, I'm on board. Sounds pretty yeah, good. It's it may be in the way that the the original song is sort of like a, a basic, sort of a basic blues song, but updated. This might be a basic, you know, reggae ska dub version, but done in the year of our Lord, 2013. Yeah, I'd believe it. Yeah, S- solid sound. I I definitely group it with the original not just because it's the same song <laughs> but it is the same but yeah song. attacking it from a similar angle but in a different genre yeah um speaking of a different genre let's talk about flo's jazz casino featuring clemens ebenbickler in 2016 Uh, they seem to be German. Yes. Um, and they do like swing music, swing jazz yeah. music. American jazz. Yeah. They say from the twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties, which is a uh, quite a quite a range. Yeah, it is a very broad range. Um, and uh, Clemens Ebenbichler is a Austrian jazz saxophonist, pianist, and saxophone teacher. Well, and the son of Herbert Ebenbickler. Who th- who's that, you ask? Oh my gosh. I don't fucking know. He's Herb's kid? Yeah, the, the Austrian brass band musician and conductor born in 1935 in Innsbruck. No way. Who's the father of Clemens Ebenbickler. Wait, who's Clemens? No, okay. 
I'm not gonna get. Not gonna get. Um, oh, you're gonna get. I'm not gonna get. Okay. I refuse to get. Get it. What I will get um, is into, into the... this song. Um, it's a jazzy, swingy version. So, like, there's some staccato piano at the start. Do 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 do. Plays that intro riff. Yeah. And then uh, there's kind of two at least bass lines uh, that get played. So the the bass starts doing like fourth, fourth jumps. I believe they're fourths. Mm-hmm. That like bump, 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 bump. He doesn't do bump, 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 but I think he could. Um, yeah. Because it kind it's it's that it's that interval. And horns. There's also horns. They play the keys riff. Um, and that's at that point the bass goes into a walking bass line. You know, it's a big upright bass. It's doing walking bass. Yeah. That's what it does. That's what it, that's what it's built for. Yeah. So really, that's and then they do it in this in this um, swing style. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> um, you get the vocalist coming in. He's very like crooner style again. Very true, true of yep. of, the, of the style they're trying to emulate. Yeah, which again, kind of broad because they have like four decades listed, but it fits. Yeah, because I mean, it's, in it's, our consciousness, it's kind of all blended together too. Yeah, so as much as I'm talking shit, it's not like I could tell right? those things apart. Like, yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, let's see. It is actually what's kind of interesting about the way they do this is mm. they sort of keep the the driving momentum in the verses. Yeah, and a lot of that comes from the walking bass line because the walking bass line gets mm. played in the verses, and then when we get to the chorus, it starts to play like straight, like it's more drawn out, just like boom, 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 kind of thing. Hmm. So really, the chorus kind of has more energy because you get the the backup vocals come in. Um, just they actually just do the oh whoa oh, oh, and then he sings the other part. So they kind of go back and forth. That's right. Um, and then the, but the piano is like holding chords. The bass is just playing more straight. Um, so it does get like a bit of a build, particularly I think from the horns doing like the doing runs up. Um, Closer to the end, actually. No, in the chorus, on the ends of lines. Um, but you don't actually get the walking bass line for that driving rhythm, for me, anyway. Like, mm-hmm. really pushing forward until, I think, the final chorus. Which is, like, after a bunch of other stuff, there's, like, there's like a solo in there. Yeah. But it's after that. You're right. We really turn the chorus into a, a place where you, it's, you remove the the driving force, and we kind of are just sitting in that space more. It's a much quieter yeah. space Which, than the, I mean, the verses. Chorus is all about waiting. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know? It's not a conceptually pretty yeah. d- decent change. And functionally, like, it worked. And even without that bass in there, like, there's still a good pace to the chorus, and the, the vocals are good. He's a good singer. Yeah. The, the backup chorus, they sound great. Like, um, this is a, a jazz version that doesn't fuck around, like, doesn't sit around and waste time. Yeah. It, it does have a solo, but it's not, like, an extended solo. Um, yeah. Solo also has the walking bass line, mind you. That's right. Um, and it's two solos, yeah. really. There's a trumpet solo, and then it switches to a sax solo. That's right. 
pretty solid, decent solos though. And uh, yeah, they also right at the end they do they do they do. A, I'm, I'm tripping over my words apparently. Uh, a big jazz finish, so you get like That's the big right. horns and then the big fast drum fill, and then the singer does a bunch of ad libbing. Even and the video, um, he it's even does some scatting. Scat. Yeah, because it's a little different in the video. Mm-hmm. For the big jazz ending, but uh, yeah, yeah. Interestingly enough, I I, wa- I listened to the video version first, and I was like, "Oof, I almost like this version." And then I listened <laughs> to the one on the playlist. I was like, "Oh, now I like this. <laughs> like now it's good." Well, it's not oh, that yeah. different. No, it really isn't. <laughs> Just that ending, though. I fucking hate <laughs> scat. But, um, yeah, let's talk about this video yeah. a bit before we're done talking about the, the instruments. It's a pretty simple one. Everything's in black and white. It is at first. Partially, yeah, at first. Yeah, I mean, starts with basically just, like, speakeasy visuals. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, general early to mid-20th century. People are in dresses and fancy suits, and jazz is happening. Yeah. And it's black and white. Also, notably, at that point, um, the camera is never f- showing faces of the band members it only shows mm. parts parts of the faces or their faces are out of focus in the shot right um yeah when we shift to color we meet who's who's presumably the lonely boy here well there's a few I lonely was... boys oh there is a couple yeah that is a different guy throwing his card into the hat um they're the band members the, right i'm spoiling this we don't technically find it out until later um they're all separate kind of doing their own thing presumably being lonely boys right smoking cigarettes um yeah we get so it's like interstitials of dudes being lonely in color with uh black and white uh shots of people dancing and being together and then of course shots of the the band who is partially obscured from us and then, so I guess it's supposed to be a big reveal then that they are the ones enabling <laughs> all of this togetherness and, and love and joy. Yeah, when it does the like big like series of superimposed shots where it shows them all like getting up from their seats at the bar. Yeah. And then walking somewhere, presumably to the performance, as it also shows the performance happening like at the same time. They're just right on top of each other. Right. And right, then, and they're in the same bar. They're not even drinking. Yeah, together. they're just like at different tables. And then it just like shows them performing, and now you can see their faces. Mm-hmm. And they're all having a good time. So it's like they're lonely boys, and then they got together, and they're not lonely anymore. Right, and is there love that keeps them waiting? The love of playing music, and they they just have to wait for a starting time. Perhaps it's a very like Bruce Springsteen thing to me. <laughs> and like yeah. basically, you're depressed unless you're performing on stage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing, music they video. kind of reference the, um, I don't know, I'd say it's a reference to the original music video, uh, because they're all mouthing the song at the end. Oh, yeah. The lyrics. Yeah. Anyway. So, I mean, it's simple, but it, like, has a solid little narrative to it. Um, so, not bad. Yeah, and definitely plays with the the style of the version they've created. They said, we're, you know, an old-timey jazz act. We're going to do it. Without being cringy, like, Scott, what's his face? Um, What is his face? Scoot Bradley. Scott Scott Bradley. Postmodern Jukebox. That's the one. (laughs) Yeah, 
without being cringy like that. I thought this one was all right. Although Flo's Jazz Casino is a bit of a reach for a name, a band name, if we're being real here. It's just like they ran out of jazz cafe jazz, names. Like, yeah. oh, fuck, can't fuck really making a casino. I don't know. I, well, I mean, I guess it's um, like the casino is kind of associated with that time because it's associated with like mobsters. So they would use a casino to launder money. Just like this band uses a band to launder money. All right. Yeah. I gotcha. It checks out. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, you've said it beautifully, Alex. Now let's talk about Sinfonico Honolulu in 2018. Whoa. I'm ready to talk about Symphonico Honolulu, which is my favorite. Um, oh, this is what you were referring to before. Yeah. My very favorite um, <laughs> electrician's blog. This is an electrician's Italian blog. Italian electrician's blog. Oh, my God. Blog. It changed. <laughs> <laughs> Did it? <laughs> when I saw it, it was just a, like my first post. It was like, <laughs> this is your first post on WordPress. Um. I I just checked it out yesterday for the first time. Yeah, it's. Oh, um, I checked it out earlier this it's, week. It's a blog. Um, it's a blog about electrician news, and it's also Italian. So I've Google yes. translated it into English. Um, so I don't know what's going on here, but it's definitely not Symphonico Honolulu, who are a ukulele orchestra from Italy. That's right. They are sal- They are Italian, on. but they are not electricians. They are not Italian electricians. <laughs> God, what a wild reveal. I thought just they <laughs> made a WordPress and never done it. Probably true. But I don't know why Symphonico Honolulu is the name of an electrician's blog. Yeah, which I'm 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 guessing loosely translates to like Honolulu Symphony. That's like right? Cause they're they're a ukulele orchestra. But yeah. anyway. Um, I watched a live performance recording of theirs, and they have like a bunch of different sizes of ukuleles. And I was wondering, actually, I forgot to look it up if there's such thing as a bass ukulele, because a bass guitar has four strings, as you know. Right. But I believe a ukulele is tuned differently. So now a bass ukulele uh-huh. is not as big as the. So they, I think, we're playing just an acoustic bass. Right. Because I'm looking at a bass ukulele, and it's big, but it's not as big as that. But right. uh, anyway, I don't know. It also looks like oh, I wonder. Never mind. I have no idea. I w- I will never mind. Don't mind. Yeah, there. I'm looking at this ukulele is tuned G D A E. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Is that the opposite? Or maybe they've just written it different from how I expected because it's E A D G is how I would think of it for a for a bass guitar, but I wonder if I just think of it backwards. Because technically the first string is the one on the top, which is actually, in terms of gravity, the one on the bottom. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that wouldn't be G then. So it'd be G, D, A, E. Yeah. Um, did I read? Did I? What did I say? G, D, A, E, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Standard tuning for a ukulele is G, C, E, A. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. I'm getting off topic again. No worries. Well, no, it's on top. We're talking about ukuleles. Wait, we're talking about ukuleles and orchestras. Chock full of. Uh, they lost their website, unfortunately. To, yeah, to a. Uh, but yes, it is. Also, their album artwork is a reference to uh, London Calling, 
That's correct. Um, for this album of presumably covers. Um. Yeah, you got Killing Moon. Killing Moon is uh Echo and the Bunny Man. That's correct. Yes. Level tears apart's on here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 The voice is it? No, not what I was thinking of. All right. Um, I was thinking of you're the you're the voice. You Sorry, the voice. We got to talk about this song. We got to talk. I'm about rambling. This song. Imagine now. a thousand ukuleles Imagine playing lonely. So boy. many ukuleles, like a <laughs> lot though. Like they really layer them. You know, do yeah. a lot of stuff. So it's very dynamic and interesting to listen to. Mm-hmm. It is actually quite dense, which is surprising because yeah. I, I I imagine ukuleles as being quite thin. True. Yeah. If I think of ukulele, I think of one person um, with a ukulele. Yeah, I think. <laughs> and of a, maybe a they're little, singing. A little white girl, not a whole a whole bunch of burly Italian. Generally, men. sometimes I think of an actually pretty tall white girl because um, my uh, brother dated a fairly tall girl who also played the ukulele mm. but that's just my experience um that's, that's your experience fair enough because my brother's taller than me and i think they were about the same height damn anyway getting off topic again don't need to talk about the the height of random people so they have an intro riff um and also the keys riff playing mm-hmm. on top of each other so that's kind of part of that like density is they're just like that's things right. happening all the time um and then the intro riff gets like backup so like it's still playing the same but there's another thing playing the intro riff so it's sort of then uh like stacks on top and then the the keys riff gets sort of pushed underneath that's right so that was kind of cool um they also bring like a skank in and they just dance around ha just kidding it's a rhythm thing um (laughs) And then, actually, another thing uh, that I didn't expect from a ukulele cover is it's fairly distorted. Yeah, that that uh, intro riff, the dive bomb riff, is heavily distorted. Yeah, they've got, like, actual effects on. And, I mean, we talked about a ukulele orchestra long-ass time ago. Af- mm-hmm. For Africa? Was it Africa? May have been we talked about uh, like the Wellington ukulele orchestra or something like that. Oh, I think that might have been this charming man. Oh, that was this charming man. Yeah, it was this charming man. Um, one of our really early episodes. Yeah. Um, and it was definitely like they were pushing the like orchestra, um, acoustic thing, you know, because that's how mm-hmm. I would think of an orchestra. But this is more like. I would say collegiate acapella in that they're willing to try new things. Right. But I experimenting in college. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And like, but whereas with acapella, I feel like sometimes doing the electronic things sort of detracts from it because it's really about that vocal prowess. It, Mm -hmm. It fits better here. Yeah, 100%. It's like, look at what ukuleles can do when we fuck around with them. And like they're not, they can do some cool stuff. Um, yeah. There is also singing. It's not, a, it's not an instrumental version. That's right, which is honestly another surprise, because I would have yeah. fully expected just instrumentals. That said, the other ukulele orchestra also sang. That's true. Um, but again, such a long time ago. How do you, so, yeah, how do you how even remember that? How am I supposed that? to remember that? Like... <laughs> Um, there are covers from last week I don't remember. Yeah. 
I'm just looking at them now. Oh yeah, Steve Grimmett. Yeah. Forgot about that guy. Um, Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> yeah, Wallace and Gromit. Uh, so once they get into the verse though, like the 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 voice, the vocals are going, but there's like so many ukuleles. Um, they've still got that really strong backbeat strung, but like strum. Um, but the ukuleles are like going all over. Like there's one that's following the vocals at least, but it's also still kind of like choppy. So it's still like following the rhythm, but it's also playing along with the vocal melody. Yeah. And then it does like the end transition bit is like, like a ratchet effect on the percussion. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that happens in this. Um, so even though it does use a lot of, or does use like the original riffs, um, it uses them in, in slightly different ways. And, and, uh, also does a lot of new stuff and makes it a lot denser. Uh, and the denseness I really noticed was in the chorus. Because that's yes. when there's just like arpeggios happening. And the ukuleles are playing in different ranges. And they're playing all of these notes. Yeah, it is. It's like it's, it's almost a wall of sound with just ukuleles. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a pretty big wall. Another yeah. interesting thing, similar to, um, or which one? They well they play more straight during the chorus, which is kind of in the original. You know that's where you get the more straight strumming. Uh, they also do that here, so they yeah. they take that skank out. Hmm. Um. Yeah. And coming to the second verse, we get uh, like a, a rock and roll classic where you get a what well, what is here is a ukulele doing some like licks right after phrases. Yeah. So definitely, it sounds like an electric guitar, but we're still. All ukuleles with possibly yeah. one bass guitar. Possibly. Yeah, and then there's a bit of this like uh like electronic kind of drone noise in the back drone there as noise well. In the back. Like around 120, like a static kind of just like a Oh yeah, it almost sounds like uh like a cymbal that's ringing, but it does sound a little mm. more electronic. Like yeah. maybe it's an electronic cymbal. Mm-hmm. And then his voice kind of skips there too. Yeah, they do a lot of like weird electric effects on his voice. And he's double double tracked or has a backup vocalist in the chorus. I don't know if we mentioned that before, but I that's didn't. there to help bring a little more energy to it. They also do claps. They've got a lot of stuff here. Yeah. Um. Then they. This version's shorter, so they go into the like the middle eight part, which they play their intro again. Um, yeah, with claps, I think this time. Yes, um, but like it doesn't even last very long. So no, it's very quick. Even considering the original was like, depending on how I counted it, eight or sixteen bars. Um, but this is pretty pretty quick, uh, and then they do another chorus, and that's it. So like it's quick. But there's there's a lot going on in that amount of time. Yeah. They managed to make like a, a pretty full version. And that's I, I impressed me. Um what can I say? Way to go, fellas. Yeah. For sure. For sure. It's also for sure time for us to get into our final verdict. We got three categories today. The worst version, the best version. The loneliest version. The loneliest. That you've ever heard. Alex, the worst version. What is it? The worst version. Um, I thought there were some really solid versions this week. 
Fortunately, there were some kind of lame ones too. So I think I've got to give that to Assembly Required. Didn't mm-hmm. grab me. Didn't really like the sound overall. We said you said it was safe, and it really was. There wasn't really that much interesting going on, and it was like passable, but just fine. Yeah, it was really uh, it was m- milk toast, as yeah. the kids are saying. It's boring. It was bland, and it was there's uh, probably a million versions like it. That's a very good reason to give that one worst. I'm going to give it to Iggy Pop and Ginger Baker just because I feel like they could have done a lot better. It was one of those ones where all of the magic comes from reading the two names on in the artist description going like, oh, holy shit. Oh, and then you listen Iggy to it. Iggy Pop like, did oh, this okay. song. No way. No way. You're like, that sounds kind of cool. And then you listen to it. You're like, oh, well, sounded cooler in my head. <laughs> and then like, I don't know. It's, it's not like it was a phenomenal drum performance. It was just a different one. Yeah. like. I I know Ginger Baker has like a pretty solid reputation and a pretty solid mm-hmm. like he's known as a very good drummer. Um maybe that comes out here but maybe I'm just not enough. I don't understand drumming well enough to know what he's doing, but it it didn't yeah, impress it, me it's... that much. It was definitely different from the original. Uh but it was just kind of different drums. That's all. Yeah, it's, it's like what if there's a different drum track and Iggy Pop struggled to sing over it? <laughs> What's up? And it turns out that doesn't make for a very good cover. So that's that's my opinion on that. Alex, the best version. The best version. Honestly, there's like four versions that I really enjoyed. Yeah, there's some standouts. On uh, this one. Which is unusual because that's um like almost half of them. But I mm-hmm. think the one I liked the most, just by a little bit, I think is Big Sam's Funky Nation. I just really like that funkiness, you know? The horns, good time. Cool bass line, cool, like, that guitar doing the funky stuff and then kind of increasing in that more driving energy closer to the end. Solid yeah, version, that, solid that sound. funk attitude. Yeah, definitely. But, like, that. honestly, really impressed by, I mean, the last two we talked about. And yeah. uh, Guru was very solid. Mm-hmm. And uh, and fun, but yeah, got to give it to Big Sam. Big Sam, yeah, that's a great choice. I'm gonna give it to Flo's Jazz Casino. Um, it's one of the few jazz covers we've heard on the show that I think really nailed it. Um, a song about a dude being lonely really fits with their <laughs> sort of old era jazz. Um, I thought the way they did the backup vocals was good. I thought the the main vocal performance was great. Um, and, and just, yeah, very good, like good pacing in it. And it was, oh, it felt very driving in the verse. And then it gave a good amount of space in the chorus. Like it was just well put together yeah. and it had a solid music video to go with it. Yeah. Like it's, it was just fucking good. You know, what's f- funny about the video. It's kind of like mm. visual shorthand. If you show someone on their own in black and white to show that they're sad. Yeah. Whereas this showed someone on their own in color to show that they're sad. And then when they moved to the black and white space was where they were happy, so it's kind of in reverse. Yeah, they kind of flipped it. Yeah. Didn't think of that before. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Neat. Yeah, that's my best version. Alex, which version's the loneliest? Which version is the loneliest? The one sung by a werewolf who can never really find true love because he's turns into a wolf. French Canadian. Yeah, turns into a wolf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I did read a comic book once called Werewolves of Montpellier, uh, which was okay. a French comic book about a guy who turns moves to France and then pretends to be a werewolf, but then actual werewolves are like, hey, this guy's pretending to be a werewolf, and then they find him and bite him and turn him into a werewolf. It seems like a nice thing to do, I guess, unless he really didn't want to be a werewolf. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't. I think generally people don't want to be werewolves, but anyway. Um, but if he's, you're, he's you're gallivanting oh, at night pretending to be a werewolf. True. Also, follow up. Uh, something I forgot to mention: it's a comic book. All the characters are anthropomorphic animals, so he's a wolf. They just mm-hmm. turn him into a werewolf. Um, yeah. Anyway. So he, okay. A lot of questions. But it's no time. It's an for indie it. comic, so it's about being lonely and stuff. It's actually about relationships. Right. It's not, you know. Just like Garou. Just like Garou. AKA uh, the loneliest Grant. version, because it's he's a werewolf and and cannot you know really relate with humans. For sure. Um, I'm gonna give the loneliest version to you know you would think I would have thought of this, but I didn't. And I'm like all the versions I'm looking at. I'm like, well, that's a very they got like 20 people in that band. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, how do I justify that? Um, therefore, the loneliest version is Assembler Required, which is just two lads in New Zealand. New Zealand's that's... far away from everything. Also, All the right, Iggy Pop right. version, very lonely because Ginger Baker died a couple years ago. That's also true. Rip Ginger Baker. Rest in. Um, rest in. I was trying to think of something drum related that started with a P, but p- um, peace. Power uh, metal. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it to Assembler Required, even though not a great version. That's what the wild card category is, man. It's wild. It's crazy. Sometimes it's it's Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. What does make sense, kind of, is our bonus segment we got coming up, which is called Who's Got That Honorific Title? Um, Alex, I briefly mentioned in discussing Iggy Pop and Ginger Breaker that Iggy Pop has the honorific of the Godfather of Punk. Godfather of Punk. Um, along with, like, three other people. But yeah. <laughs> That's not important. What's important is that many musicians throughout their career have earned a, an honorific of one kind or another, and I've compiled some of those today. Um, exclusively musicians and producers that we have discussed on the show before, so they've either done a cover or done an original. At least I'm pretty sure. One I'm uncertain about, but the rest of them I'm very certain about. And the first one is the one I'm uncertain about, so once we get past that one, you'll know that every other person has been on the show. So I'm going to okay. give you their their honorific and it is up to you to see if you can guess who that person is. Okay. All right. So the first one, Alex, is Mr. Guitar. Mr. Guitar. Um, oh, okay. This sounds familiar. Fuck. Um, Mr. Guitar. I will. Mr. Guitar. Let me see if I can provide. It's like you an old a... school guy, right? Like. Yes. Like this I is like fifties. I'll read you his top five popular songs on Spotify. Okay. Jam Man. Mr. Sandman, Man of Mystery, Yakety Axe, and the Jitterbug Waltz. Is it, um, so is it, um, I, I don't know who does all these songs, um, and it's definitely, I didn't, it's not who I was thinking at first, because I didn't hear, um, Johnny Be Good on that list. Right. Uh, who's Mr. Guitar? Oh my gosh. Who even plays guitar? I have no idea. I do. If I tell you his other name is the Country Gentleman, does that help? Oh, is it? Um, 
I'm, I see. I'm thinking. I'm seeing faces, and I, I can't think of any names. I'm totally blanking. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, no, that's totally okay. This is Mr. this is meant to be solely for I'm pleasure. Sorry. There's no points on the line. Country gentleman. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I I can't. I'm trying to think of what song we would have talked about that he did too, because I feel like we talked about his name. I'm like being struggling because I was like uh, I was thinking like um um. I mean, so many, so many rock and roll artists have like guitar-based nicknames. That's true. So first, I was thinking like Chuck Berry, and then I was thinking. I briefly thought Jimi Hendrix, but, <laughs> but that didn't really pan out. And then like, yeah, I I don't know. I know those aren't it, aren't it? But I've got those it. Yeah, it. it's uh, it's Chet Atkins. We did talk about Chad Atkins. We we did talk about Chad long Atkins. time ago. A long, long time ago. Yeah, I I wouldn't have got that. Though. All right, I feel like I feel like that's gonna be the toughest. Yeah. One. I feel like okay. From this point on. All right. I know um, who the godmother so the, of rock and roll is, but we'll. That's not one of the questions we, I assume. We'll, no, that's not. I don't think so. Um, we didn't. We so haven't talked one, about it. So. Next one coming up. He's got multiple titles, and I've spoiled some of it by saying he. But. Okay. The Picasso of pop. Picasso of pop. Do you have another title? Mm. Uh, the Master of Reinvention. Is it Master of Reinvention? Yes. Is it David Bowie? That is correct. Okay. <laughs> Easy one. Yeah, easy. okay. I, also, yeah. I, I had three titles for him. The that third was, one was The King of Glam Rock, and I figured yeah, that'd be too easy. That was a, that was a, that was a soft softball. Okay. I get yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, next up, we have The Queen of Reinvention. Um, Queen of Reinvention, uh, who is Also it? known as the Queen of Comebacks. Is it like Madonna or something? No, it's no. not Madonna. Okay, let's think. The um, Queen of Camp. Um, Annie Lennox? No, um, not a bad guess, though. Um, Let me read you off. Let's see what her top title, her yeah. top popular song on Spotify at the moment is Believe. Oh, Cher, yeah. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> I, I don't know why that didn't come in before fucking Lennox, but oh well. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. So this, this, this next one's going to be kind of tricky, okay. uh, but we're going to give it a try. Jazz's New Messiah. New Messiah. New Messiah. Um, I'm not Googling it, but I don't did Google. type something because names are hard. Um. Mm. New Messiah. Is it um, like Miles Davis or something? It is not. Um, okay. That wouldn't be new enough. Okay. Jazz is I, I will tell you this. Uh, we talked about him on an episode that featured our good friend Jesse. Does that narrow it down for is you? Is it Jacob Collier? It is. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting yeah, title. Interesting title. I had to throw that one in. The next one The Voice of a Generation. The voice of a generation. The voice of a generation. Um, like Pepsi. Yeah, that's right. It was Pepsi Cola, <laughs> <laughs> the famous musician. Well, I think that's the no. choice of a generation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wait, isn't right. everyone called the voice of a generation? Isn't there like a hundred people who've been called that? Sure. Yeah. Um, probably, voice of a generation. One... Um, which generation? Wait, you hear... Um, I don't know. Think of a generation. Think of a voice. <laughs> think of a voice. It's like think of the most obvious one it could be. Bruce Springsteen. Oh, you're thinking. Uh, think, think just a, the uh, slightly before that. Um, 
uh, he would uh, Bruce Springsteen oh, would be oh. the new Elvis. Nope, you got to, to so so Bruce Springsteen Sandwiched would be in more accurately the the new voice of a generation. Okay, this is the voice of a generation from a little bit before Springsteen, but That's after right. Elvis. Because mm-hmm. because Bruce Springsteen was also famously one of the. New. Oh, 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 okay. No, I know this. It's Dylan. Yes, it's Bob <laughs> Dylan. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, once you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, fuck, I of know. course. Okay. All right, I still got a few more here. The architect <laughs> a lot. of rock and roll. Was that? I mean, Arc- that's a tough one, because I feel like there's, there's going to be, I don't know if it's the actual, I don't, like, I don't know if it's Elvis or, like, um... Um, I'll tell you this: it is a person of color. Yeah. Okay. And we talked about the original yeah, version. Yeah, Little Richard. We talked about it. That's correct. Yeah, that was. I was like, it's either Elvis or Little Richard, depending on who gave him the title. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Good guessing there. Next, we got the High Priestess of Soul. High Priestess of Soul. I know this. It's um, uh, we talked about her. We talked about her on Wild as the Wind. Mm-hmm. And um, hang on, I'm blanking on her name, so I gotta look it up. Uh, Nina Simone. That's correct. Good, nice, nice poll, Alex. Yeah, that one I know. That's that's good. Now this next one is I don't I don't think you're gonna be able to get this one, but let, let's see. First tycoon of teen. Is it first tycoon first of teen? Tycoon of teen. Um, so there's a few things that come to mind right now. The first one is Dion. Good uh, guess. Not the right one. The second is it that old? Um, it's in and around that okay. kind of time. Um, is it? I see. I want to say the Beach Boys, but it's not a band. It's a person. It's a person, um, and not necessarily the you know the the musician per se. Oh, interesting. I I guess a musician and songwriter and record producer is what their Wikipedia says. Oh, is it? Um. What's his name? What's his name? The names are so hard uh, under pressure. T- two trials and conviction for murder in the 2000s, if that helps. <laughs> conviction for murder? Yes. So, I mean, you mentioned Beach Boys. Um, I believe he's worked with the Beach Boys. See, because I'm thinking of... Um, I, I, names are so hard, man. Let me just... Oh, let me just... Um, Jones? Fucking no, not Jones. Not first uh, uh, synonym for ghost. Oh, War Inspector. Um, yes, correct for last name. Oh, uh, try- <laughs> did I get the no? That I- who's also, War Inspector? Uh, War Inspector is a different Spectre. A different Spectre. Did he make video games? Uh, other Spectre. Um, fuck. <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, uh, for the wall of sound I know, of who he, I know who it is I just can't remember his first name <laughs> um, well his first name I'm thinking of Ronnie Spector now but it's not Warren Spector right. made like Deus Ex or something well, uh, I'll tell you his first name because it's not what he actually goes by his first name's Harvey <laughs> his first name's Harvey um, uh, starts with a P Phil Spector that's right, Phil Spector, the the first tycoon of teen, whatever the fuck that means. It means he made a lot of music and sold his teens. Warren, yeah, Warren Spector makes video games. Yes, I, I agree. Different, well, well, different guy, different guy. 
also and one last one, Alex. Oh, one more. Just because. Okay. One more. Just because I, I, it came up. It was, it was an alphabetical list, and this is right at the end, so that's your clue. America's best kept musical secret. Kept musical secret. Um. Musical secret. Musical secret at the end of the alphabet, last name wise. So, like his last name, their last name potentially starts with a Z. Yes. Um. I mean, there can't be that many, but but uh, my brain is not returning uh, results right now. Not returning results. Um, uh, famous facial hair. Oh. Zappa. Yes. <laughs> uh, how many artists uh, do you even know that start with Z? Thanks for the hints. No worries. It's, oh, a, it's another one of my poorly constructed segments. Well, but. I don't know. Names. So, like, I have days where names are, like, instantaneous today is not one right. of those days it's not one i might have been better with a multiple choice like here's the title here's four names i suppose which one do you think it is the godmother of rock and roll by the way is sister rosetta thorpe that's correct yes i didn't put that one on probably yeah. specifically because we haven't talked about it that's true but that gets said in a frank turner song so i know it that's right <laughs> See, that's how I learn everything about rock and roll history is Frank, Frank Turner, Turner songs. songs. It's also why I know the date of the Challenger disaster. That's right, baby. Um, that's been our, our whole bonus segment. I realize now, I told myself this morning, I was like, I'm going to do the, the, the rate review of shit right at the top of the episode. But now I failed to do it even after the main segment. Well, that's you can always edit it, around, edit around it. No, 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 no. It's supposed to be an organic process. I only edit out everything that makes us sound dumb. So most of the show, <laughs> but rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. We're there. Talk to us on Twitter. Tell us about, you know, what you thought about one of these versions. Talk to us about a version we didn't talk about. Tell us something exciting related to this song. Hashtag cover me pod at Jake the Cressy at some Alex wise guy. John Bell just talked to us about uh, a Metalachi last week and about uh, some luchador wrestling show, which I watched a clip from and it was pretty wild. I recommend that. Send us more wrestling clips. If that's the only thing you can do, do us that. Um, send us an email at covermepod at gmail.com. Comments, questions, concerns, recommendations for future episodes, uh, suggestions on how to improve my bonus segments. You know, talk to us. Communicate with us. Tell your friends about us. We don't have a marketing budget. You are our marketing budget. Tell your friends. Then tweet at us that you did, and we'll follow you on Twitter. That's right. I said it. That's money, baby. We'll follow you. That's 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 commerce. Money in the that's bank. beautiful. In the bank. That's that you can laugh all the way to the bank with two follows from us. Maybe we'll even get John to follow you. I don't know. That's I can't promise that. I literally cannot. He has no obligation to do that. <laughs> but that's the end of our show. And as we always say on Cover Me, oh, whoa, whoa. Cover Me's a pod that keeps you waiting.